and welcome to A Word for This Day podcast. I'm Jory Schaefer, the show's host and creator. It is my joy and my pleasure to welcome you today. Welcome back to all you regular listeners. I'm so glad you're here. And welcome to anyone who's found us for the first time. It's no accident that you are here, friend. And so I'm so thankful for you. I'm thankful for every one of you who take the time to download and listen and think about the truth that's in God's Word with me. Oh, he has been so gracious to us to give us this truth, and we need it now more than ever. You know, we talk about this over and over again, that man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So this is just so important for us to think about his word. And please don't let this be the only time you think about him today. Please let there be other times throughout the day that you're focusing on him, whether you're working on a memory verse or reading um, chapters or verses in the Bible. If you've got a Bible reading plan, if you please be working on a small group lesson or Sunday school lesson. Uh, spend time in worship, spend time in praise, spend time in prayer. There are so many ways that we can think about him throughout the day, and it is so necessary. Jesus, when he was teaching, said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He provides exactly what we need. He is so gracious to us. He gives us the strength because we don't have it. He gives us peace. He gives us grace and mercy and love and forgiveness and so many other things. And uh, why would we not want to know more of the one who has done this? So I'm just so thankful for you. I continue to pray for you that the Lord would draw you closer to him give you more of a desire to know him and his word, that you'll have that desire to be deliberate and intentional in uh, your study and in your spending time with him. And uh, know that I love to hear from you. So if you feel so led, send me a message sometime. You can find my email down in the show notes. Um, Please remember that we're doing, I've been doing a a devotional uh, journal uh, small videos, short form videos on social media, and you can find those. And uh, it just shows you how I'm journal- journaling a little bit each day on our verse for the day. Um, I've done this for uh, several years, and it's something I do first thing in the morning just to focus my heart and my mind on Him. It doesn't take very long, but it's to look at uh, a verse or a passage, uh, think about what He has done, how that speaks to me, how He's speaking to me, and then turning that into a prayer and a praise to Him. And uh, if you would like to join on that journey, it's not too late to start. Gracious, it wouldn't be too late to start if it was the 31st of December. Whatever we could do to think more of him and focus our hearts and minds on him is just so important. And so I would invite you to do that with us today. Well, our verse for the day for what is today? February the 22nd, 2023 comes from the letter of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22. And it reads as follows from the English Standard Version. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. 
Now, of course, that's talking about our Lord Jesus, and I'm excited for us to go back to this letter of First Peter and see what caused Peter to say that. Why was he reminding us of that? And it's just so important. And so I'm uh, excited for us to think about where we are in the scripture, what book or letter we're in, who wrote it, what was going on, to get the appropriate context, and that will help us to be able to apply it and to understand more of the Lord and understand more of God the Father. So I'm just uh, excited for us to dig in. We've been in this letter of First Peter already. Let's see how many times. Uh, two other times this month. And Lord willing, we'll be there another time here in just a few days. And so uh, all of God's word is important. Every verse, every single piece of it, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, correction, reproof, and training in righteousness that the man of God might, may be complete, equipped for every good work. And there are some chapters that we're in that it just seems so applicable at the time. And so this second chapter of First Peter just has so much. You may recall that... Uh, 1 Peter is in the New Testament, especially if you're new to Bible study. The New Testament begins with the four Gospels, then it moves to church history, which is the book of Acts, then it moves to Paul's letters, there's 13 of those, and then the general letters, there's eight of those written by men who were not Paul, and then we have the last book of the New Testament, which is the book of Revelation, that's New Testament prophecy. So Peter, the Apostle Peter, wrote this letter, this general letter. We have two of his letters in uh, our canon of the New Testament. And we know he wrote this because the beginning says of his First uh, Peter chapter 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Peter tells us his credentials right off at the beginning. You know, we've talked about how Paul does that. James does that. Jude does that. And uh, I'm so thankful when they remind us because it's an important thing to remember. Uh, why could Peter write this letter? Well, he walked directly with the Lord Jesus. And not only did he do that, but he was appointed as an apostle. And that apostle means a messenger uh, who was directly appointed. And we read in the Gospels that Jesus chose from his disciples 12 men whom he called apostles, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out. He gave them authority to heal every disease and every affliction. And these men walked with him. They saw his miracles. They touched him. They ate with him. They saw him when he was tired, when he was sleepy, when he was hungry. They saw all of these things about Jesus. They saw him perform the miracles. They saw how he dealt with people in the public spaces and how he dealt with them individually. And we know that Peter was considered the chief apostle because he was listed first in many of the list of the apostles that we find in the Gospels. He, James, and John were in that inner 
kind of that inner circle of the apostles. They were able to see the Lord Jesus transfigured on the mount. Peter walked on the water. And um, we see just so much, uh, so many examples in the life of Peter, how God used him mightily and Jesus continued to love him mightily in spite of those times when he failed. And that should be such a comfort to us, such a blessing to us to say, yes, God can use me. God can work in my life even when I fall short because all of us are sinners. Every single one of us, we're all in need of a Savior. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we mustn't ever look at some uh, someone else's life and say, oh, I would never do that. That's a dangerous part to be, a dangerous place to be in. But if we could say, oh, look what Peter, look what Jesus did in the life of Peter, even though he messed up, and may we keep our eyes and our hearts and our minds focused on the Lord and with his help continue to follow him. So Peter was writing to these exiles. Um, Peter knew at that time many of the believers uh, had been exiled to different parts of, uh, we read here, uh, the Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, because there was a great persecution of, of believers at that time, and we've talked about that before. And so he was writing this letter specifically to encourage them in their suffering, to encourage them that uh, this is going to be, in the big scheme of eternity, short. And so um, keep your hearts and your eyes and your minds on the Lord Jesus because of what he's done for you and because there is so much more in store after this short life. He was reminding them that. He's reminding us that. And we see him say that um, in this case, in chapter 1, verse 6, you rejoice though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we've talked about other verses like in chapter 1 where we were reminded that we... Uh, or he was reminding them that they were called to be holy, to be set apart because Jesus was that way, because the Lord is holy. And he reminded them that we are uh, living stones. You know, Jesus was that cornerstone, but God is fitting together and building us up. Uh, we believers, those believers and we believers are being uh built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. And he reminded them that they were a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that they might proclaim the excellencies of him who called them out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He was encouraged in them. You know, the people, many of these that he was sending this letter to were Jews who had become believers. And so they would have known about the chosen race of the Israelites. They would have known about the priesthood and how with the Old Testament law, there were just certain people that could be in either of those. But the great mystery of the gospel was that Jesus came that everyone, Jews and non-Jews, could have access to the Father. 
And that had been foretold all the way back before there was a law, before there was a chosen people when God told Abraham that through him all the nations of the earth would be blessed. But Peter's reminding them about this. And then he's saying, because of these things, because you are a chosen race, because you are a royal nation, a holy priesthood, and because you're suffering, it's going to matter how you react and how you act in the midst of this suffering. And so he's encouraging them in that. And so I want to read forward up to our verse for the day um, so that we can um, see how that fits together in with this suffering theme. He says um, in verse 13, and I'm going to read forward to our verse for the day. He says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. In other words, our actions and our reactions matter. God had set forward governments. We've talked about that in Daniel. He sets up kings. He uh, he takes down kings. He deposes kings. And it matters the way that we act, even if it's not fair. Um, it matters how we react. And so he says, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood Fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God." For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. And here's our verse. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. So I just love this, that Peter is showing us. He's saying there's a reason that we're subject to the authorities that are that God has placed over us. There is a reason that we um, respect those who are our superiors, and it's because this is how Jesus did. This is the example that he's given. And I love what he says in 21. We'll read it again. For to this you have been called. (laughs) So this is part of the walk of a Christian. And I think that's part of the reason that Jesus had told his disciples to count the cost. Because there is a cost of following Christ wholeheartedly. We may not everyone be called to uh, suffer bodily, you know, with bodily torture and bodily persecution, um, like some of these uh, people were in this first century, and like many, many have been down through the years since then, uh, and even today are suffering such intense persecution, such intense bodily harm, um, but we will be called to suffer in in perhaps those ways, but also in other ways. Remember, when we looked up that word for suffer, 
that was um, the Greek word pasco, which is where we get the word passion from. And it's an intense emotional feeling. So um, it's intense emotion, whether that's from pain or whether that's um, the emotions that are in our hearts and our minds where we're um, struggling mightily for someone and and have such intense feeling and such intense hurt and uh, such intense care and compassion. All those things follow under that umbrella of suffering. And Jesus showed us the ultimate, you know, he suffered all those things for us in every way. He suffered uh, bodily. He suffered when people reviled him. He suffered when people uh, turned against him. And he also loved us so intensely <laughs> that he would suffer, that he would die for us. And, and so as believers, we're called to that. We're, that's part of love. That's part of that loving is that we feel deeply for others. And you can care for people that you wouldn't think that you would otherwise care for, but it's because God is love. And God has given those of us who are believers love for others because his Holy Spirit is inside of us. And that is one of the fruit of the, or that's part of the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. And so it's just really important to know that as believers, it is not like what you hear in some of the social gospel explanations that, oh, you just become a a believer in Christ and everything's going to be all peachy and rosy and you just name it and claim it and you can ask God and he'll give you uh, everything that your heart desires. Well, no. It's not that way. (laughs) We will get the things that are according to God's will, and God wants what is best for us. He sees what is best for us. We can't see all the picture. If we're being led by our flesh, that is not what is best. If we say, oh, the only thing that's going to make me happy is is my own personal Learjet, well, we might be missing the point in a big way. Um, God's ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. He knows what is best. So um, it says, for to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He did this before us. He gave us the example of how to love and how to serve and how to pour out ourselves for others. Um, He didn't ask us to do something that he had not already done. And then this uh, wonderful verse, which is our verse for the day, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. He was completely sinless. That is why he could be that uh, supreme sacrifice. That's why he could be the spotless lamb slain for the sins of the world. You know, when we look in the Old Testament and we see about on the Day of Atonement and they needed to have a spotless lamb Uh, one without blemish or defect in the same way with the Passover lamb. Um, they they were supposed to be spotless and without any any problems, you know, no broken leg, no crooked leg, no spots, nothing. Um, and Jesus was even the better sacrifice than that. He had no sin. He had no deceit. He he is the truth, the way, and the life. And because of that, he was able to be that sacrifice for us and pay the penalty that we owed for our sins because all of us are sinners. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God, and all of us are in need of a Savior. 
And so he just graciously offered himself. He was obedient to the Father's will, and uh, he laid down his life for us. He died on that cross. He's, he, his body was broken. His blood was spilled out for us. After he died, he was placed in that tomb. And then on the third day, he rose again in full bodily form. He was seen by many. And then after about 40 days, he ascended back to heaven where he's seated at the right hand of God. And he's coming again. And to... Uh, in order for us to be saved, in order for us to have our sin debt completely canceled, we have to believe and we have to follow. We have to trust. Um, and so there's really not any, there's no works you can do to get that. It There's nothing that you can do to earn salvation. It's all based on faith. And it's all part of this. The world would tell you, oh, no, Jesus was, uh, he was a sinner. You know, there's no way he could have done all those things. No, he committed no sin. He was completely sinless. He's completely the spotless lamb. And uh, I'm just so thankful that he loved us so that he uh, died for us uh, to allow us to have a way back to the Father. And so can you join me in giving him thanks and praise for his example? Thanks and praise that he will walk through anything with us, those of us who are believers, and by the power of his Holy Spirit, we can endure whatever it is, emotional, physical, uh, spiritual, because he is with us, and he said that he'll never leave us or forsake us. I don't know about you, but I'm just so thankful for that. And may we give him honor and glory and praise. Blessings to you, friends. Until next time.